Great. So now is a moment when you might choose to, to um, come off the live stream and, and look at the word in your own home. And, and we're on this journey, of look, we're looking at uh, people of faith in the Old Testament and just seeing how they walked with God in uncertain times and, and grew in, in their faith and so on. And Rebecca's posted some questions that you could look at if you want to look at uh, the, the sections of Joshua that Rosh is going to be speaking on here. So we, we recommend those. And um, yeah, I just want to add to Andrew's prayers and, and, and say, Holy Spirit, continue to speak to us and open up who you are and who we are as Rosh brings the word now. Amen. Over to you, sir. Hello. Hello. Uh, hope you're well. Um, if you do not know me, my name is Rosh, and I am part of the whole family. Um, it felt really nice to get up today on a Sunday and actually come to church, even though it's, you know, circumstances such as this. Because normally we get up and go down to the sofa and switch on the telly. It, it felt really nice to be able to come to church. Um, so hope you are all well uh, and that you had a good week. Um, uh, hopefully you guys can hear me well. If not, please do tell us in the comments and maybe I can scream. <laughs> in any case, uh, today we are continuing um, the sermons or talking about people of faith from the Old Testament. And today we are looking at one of my favorite characters, Joshua. Uh, and I'm going to try and bring together why his faith journey is relevant why in the Old Testament his story is placed, and how to tie it into the New Testament, and why it is relevant to us today. So before I do that, obviously we have the Bible, there's a full book on Joshua. I thought I'll do a little bit of scene setting. And so, where the book of Joshua starts is, you have the promised land, which is Canaan. You have the river of Jordan, which is, which is there before them. And they are, all the Israelites are at the bank of River Jordan. They've all camped themselves. And so they can see that across the river, there is this promised land. Right? The land that was promised to Abraham. Then it came promised through Isaac. Then Jacob. Then Moses. Just tying into what Andrew told us last week about intergenerational promises. Uh, this is a promise that God made to Abraham four generations ago. That... They have come up to the banks of River Jordan, but Moses is not allowed to go into uh, the Promised Land because of reasons we'll explain another day. And so he has appointed Joshua as his commander-in-chief, as the new command to lead the Israelites into the Promised Land, right? And so Joshua has the mantle or the responsibility of fulfilling God's promise from at least four generations ago. But this is not the first instance where we are introduced to Joshua. Joshua has been introduced to us twice in the books of Exodus and Numbers. So in the book of Exodus, there is a story where Moses has asked people, his people, to go fight a king of Amalek. There's this amazing story where Moses is standing on top of a mountain and as long as his hands are raised in praise to God, they are winning. But when his hands go down, they are losing. Right? So, as we read that story, when Moses' hands are up in the air or downstairs, Joshua is the one actually leading the fight on the ground. Later on in Numbers, uh, Moses sends 12 spies to look at or inspect the promised land. And we read that Joshua is the leader of the spies. 
and therefore Joshua has established himself as very reliable right hand man he was in fact Moses's assistant son right so there is no bloodline now that's out and that is important in some ways that we'll get into another day but one thing i really want to bring to attention is Joshua was not his original name his original name was called Hoshea H O S H E A and Hoshea means salvation then Moses changes his name from Hoshea to Joshua which means god is salvation and that is a very important difference in Joshua's story so his name was changed from salvation to god is salvation right and that is a very important uh, understanding of who Joshua was to become in his book and so i have set the scene they are at the banks of uh, river jordan moses it is his time to go back to his father in heaven and he's 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 almost going to die just before he dies he lays hands on joshua and gives him or prays for the spirit of wisdom to come upon him and he appoints joshua as the leader of the israelites and he passes away and so the very first chapter the very first chapter of joshua we have god telling to joshua yes you are the man who is going to lead my people into the promised land you are going to do this and i am going to do this great work through you but you only have to be strong and courageous you only have to be strong and courageous and god tells him to be strong and courageous three times um and the reason he and the context in which god has told joshua to be strong and courageous is joshua is instructed to listen to god and do exactly as god has instructed he is also called to make sure that he and the israelites follow all of god's commandments and that they do not move to the left or to the right so god tells joshua where your feet land i will give it to you i will never forsake you i will never leave you i will always be with you i will go ahead of you but you have to do these two things one you have to listen to my instruction and do exactly how i instruct you and two you need to make sure that you listen to my word and my commandments and that you do not go neither left or right from what i have told you to do so this is the context in which joshua is then leading his people into the promised land if you read chapter 3 um there is this sequence where the ark of the covenant is taken over river jordan and river jordan stops just like moses parted the red sea joshua has parted river jordan and they go across and they enter the promised land and when they enter the promised land they set camp and then it is joshua's task to claim this land for his people it is joshua's task to claim the to, sorry to claim canaan and divide it amongst the israelites amongst the 12 tribes of israel and so yes so through this like i said again we joshua was commanded to be strong and courageous 
But what I would like to do is draw on two particular aspects of Joshua's story <clears throat> where God demonstrated a different perspective to what maybe the Israelites even thought Joshua was going to do. And that comes, it starts with chapter 5. In chapter 5, there is an instance where Joshua in the promised land encounters the commander of God's army, who we can presume to be an angel. And the angel comes to Joshua and says, I am the commander of God's army. Right? So Joshua, invariably, he got excited and he said, so are you for us or are you against us? Like, are you fighting for me or are you fighting for Canaanites? And what do you think God said? If you know that story, God, uh, sorry, the angel said, neither. I am neither here for you or for them. Right? And if I was Joshua, I would have been super confused. Because here I am, I have this immense responsibility to have this military victory over this land. I have brought the people over to this land and I see this angel of God who is a commander of armies who I would have thought would be like a positive affirmation that God is going to be with me and give me victory. But when he asks the angel on whose side you are, the angel says, I am neither on your side nor am I on their side. I am on God's side. And that, when Joshua heard this, he fell down on his feet and he, he worshipped God. Right? And that is a very important perspective because this victory that Joshua was going to have was God's victory. As God was commanding this promise, he said, I, God said, I will make this promise to come fulfilled. And therefore Joshua fully understood that he was the doer. But it was God's purpose that he was bringing forth onto this land. And, and sometimes, I know in my life, and I go through some tough times, I ask God, why, why, why? But later on, I realized, looking back, that I was still then fulfilling God's purpose. And therefore, Joshua understood that the perspective was not about him. He had the humility to know that even though he was bringing forth this amazing promise, that it was not his victory, it was God's. He was simply being the hands and feet that God had commanded him to do. But even to do that, you need to be strong and courageous. And so that is one aspect that I would like to really focus on, just to understand that it is God's perspective that is being brought forth in our lives. And the second one is how they captured the city of Jericho or how they captured the city of Ai. Yes? So after they encountered this angel, they went up to the city of Jericho. And Jericho was like a walled city. No one could go in, no one could come out. And so, uh, if you've seen a lot of war movies, you have this, you throw spikes into it, you throw oil into it. You have lots and lots of versions where man has thought of how to take over a walled city. But Joshua, he listened to God. And God told him, take your priests and walk around that six times. For six days. And on the seventh day, praise God and the walls will go down. Right? There is no, there is no, I'm pretty certain that there is no war movie that has this premise. And this can only have come from God. And because Joshua, he understood that military victory, he was meant to get this military victory, but not by his own schemes. He was meant to have gotten it through God's scheme. And so God said, I will give you this city, but you must do exactly what I say. And so, 
he got his priests to walk six days around Jericho. And on the seventh day, as the trumpet was blown and the people rejoiced, the walls crumbled and Joshua was, and sorry, and Jericho was given to them. So this is chapter six. We have seen God's glory manifest in their lives and the people should be very happy. But in the very next chapter, it says that the people of Israel faced defeat at the hands of the city of Ai. And the reason they faced defeat was because um, there was a certain person amongst the Israelite group that stole some artifacts from the city of Jericho. So instead of giving that back as spoils of war, he kept it for himself. And because he did that, he went against God's commandment. If you read God's commandments, he said, do not steal, do not covet, all of these things. And because there was an Israelite that went against God's commandments, they immediately faced defeat. Right? And so these, these amazing parallels in chapter 6 and chapter 7, where they listened to God, did exactly as he instructed, God was amazing victory, but then they took matters into their own hands and deviated from God's commandments and immediately faced defeat. Obviously, Joshua went back to the Lord and asked him for guidance and rectified this. But it goes back to the premise of Joshua again. Joshua was a military leader. He had the might. He was, he, like just, sometimes I think of, he replaced Moses, right? And Moses was this amazing leader. He took the Israelites out of enslavement from Egypt. He took them through, he performed many miraculous signs. He, he went and conversed with God. Moses went up the mountain and talked to God. And he led them through 40 years of wilderness. And then, just to the banks of the river Jordan, he told Joshua, son, now it is your turn. Joshua could have at any point said, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be strong and courageous and I'm going to lead this people. But he understood that this was God's victory. He knew that he would get victory only if he followed God's commandments to the T. In fact, if you, if you read the story, Joshua says that I know that one of us is equal to thousands of the Canaanites. And it's not because we have any superpowers or anything. It's simply because we have God on our side. And that's an important story. And why is that important to us in the New Testament? Or why is it even relevant to us today? Uh, we are not asked to put on any armor or go and claim lands. We are, not, we are not asked to do any of that. Today's world has changed from kings and queens and now it is democracy and politicians and all of that. Uh, 2000, this is a story from 3,500 years ago, approximately. So the world has changed a lot since then. But how is that message still relevant to us today? And to seek how it is relevant, um, as I was reading the New Testament, I was led to read Ephesians chapter 10, Sorry, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. Let me just read that out to you. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11 says, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And this is really where I would like to land today. We are not asked today to go and claim lands in God's name. But we are asked to claim all the things that go in between our head against the schemes of the devil. 
There is anxiety, there is sadness, there are trials, there are temptations. There are a lot of bad things that happen to us and to people that we know. And when all of these things happen, it's very easy to get bogged down and to think God doesn't care and to take things into our own hands. Uh, and when we do this, these are breeding grounds for the devil to launch schemes against us. If we battle against habitual sin and we go through the cycle of sinning, or if we know that we get angry, for example, very quickly, if God shows us that this is something that is keeping us from him, the idea is that we need to put on the whole armor and trust God because it is his victory. God has promised us that we have victory over the devil. We know that Jesus died on the cross and he was resurrected because that is proof of that death. And Jesus also told us, I give my spirit to you, or the Holy Spirit is with you, so that you can withstand any attack that the devil chooses to form, chooses to form against you. Um, so I asked myself, how do I put on the whole armor of God in my life? And a very, very, very pertinent example to me is, uh, I have shared this with some of you, um, I sometimes struggle with self-esteem. I have some days where I have a very, very low view of myself. I look at myself in the mirror and say, I'm worthless. Um, and I take this thought and I let it fester. And it festers and it becomes a disease. And it all goes down into a bad spiral. Right? But if I wake up in the morning, the days that I've woken up in the morning and said, I have put on this armor of God. And when that thought comes to me saying I'm worthless, I can confidently tell Satan, not today. Not today, Satan. Yes? And this happens one day. I have to do it every day. Because all of us have weaknesses. All of us have, have things that we struggle with. And that is how it is. But the thing is, God has given us grace. 16 years ago, when I first tried to understand God outside of church, what does it mean to actually follow God? There was a song that I heard. It was a song by Jeremy Camp that is called Understand. I don't know if you've heard of it, but the chorus is very simply like this. God, I know that you understand, and therefore I'm going to get back on my feet again. And that had a very profound impact on me. Because for the first time in my life, I understood that God understood what I was going through. That he was not this impersonal God standing outside or behind the curtain. That he understood all of the things that I am going through. 16 years on, that prayer is still relevant. I am still failing. But I know, I know with more surety that he understands, that he has given me grace, and that through victory in his Son and through his Holy Spirit, I can claim victory. And therefore, I have to choose to claim victory in my head every single day. As we go through the series of discipleship and discipling each other in our homes, we can't really go outside. There are like four people in church today. And so I think the mandate is in our homes or by ourselves, how can we fortify ourselves or strengthen ourselves in the Lord? That verse tells us, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Over and over and over again, the Bible tells us to rely on his strength and not on our strength. Because it is guaranteed that our strength will fail. Um, the Bible tells us that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood um, and that we are called to establish victory in our thoughts and in our minds. 
Um, I know lockdown has been really difficult for a lot of people. I know that there are also lots of people who had situations or circumstances before lockdown that might have gotten worse during this period. But the invitation is that God is asking us to strengthen in Him and trust in Him. And if that means that you can share in your small groups or in your bubbles and get people to pray for you, that is a way to persevere in faith. If that means that you can call someone and tell them you're thinking of them as they're going through the struggle and you're praying for them, that is how you're strengthening someone else. And the whole point of this is sometimes I think that you know, lockdown has made things worse for a lot of people. But God molds us in the fire. He molds us in times of intense struggle. The best lessons we learn in life are when we went through a really rough time. And the clearest instances of God working in my life is when I have gone through some really bad times. And that is just how it is. Because maybe that is God's great mystery that we are not meant to understand until we find Him face to face. So my final thought is that when we come to the end of our lives and we go and see God, the only thing we are hoping God will say is, well done, my faithful servant. Right? He's not going to measure us saying, oh, you did X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. He's going to say that your heart was reconciled with me. That is really, I think, what God is going to say. That you tried every day to not lean on your understanding, but on mine. And therefore, that is what Joshua did. Joshua knew that he could claim his victories in his name. But every victory he claimed in God's name. He knew that God went before him. He knew that God is with him through it all. And he knew that he had, when he put on his armor, it was not just him physically putting on armor, it was God by his side. Therefore, at the end of Joshua, when he has conquered the land, divided the land, and he has come and is well advanced in his years, he reminds Israelites again, do not stray left or right from God's word. Do not do anything that he has not instructed. And he says this famous verse that we all say, he asks the Israelites to repeat after him and say, but for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And he asks them to burn this in their heart and to never forget it. And so in terms of how do I practically make this come through in my life, what I try to do every day today is get up in the morning and with joy and say, as for me and my household, we shall serve the Lord. And it's in that posture of servitude that God will come through for us in these times and in the times to come. Hopefully that makes sense. God bless you. Let me just say a quick prayer very quickly and so we can come to an end. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for everyone who is listening to this and thank you for all of their families and their lives. Thank you, Lord, that you are central and you are the focal point in all of their lives. Thank you, Lord, that you bring fruit and you show things in their lives where they are not reconciled to you. I thank you, Lord, that you give them strength and courage to accept and identify and find ways to reconcile themselves to you. I, I also especially pray, Lord, that there is not even a single day where we do not stand up and give praise to you, Lord. You are our author and creation. You are the sovereign God and you are in control of everything. Even when nothing makes sense to me, Lord, help me not to lean on my own understanding, but to draw strength from your strength and to find trust in you. Thank you that you're an amazing father. In your most precious name I pray. Amen.
That was great. Thanks so much, Rosh. Thank you. Makes me want to stand, and um, maybe that's an appropriate response for us in our homes, just to, just to do that, if you haven't already, to say that as for me and my house, we all serve the Lord. I find that quite emotional. It's quite it's big, isn't it? And, um, and it's, it's, it's a weighty thing to do, and we don't necessarily know uh, what that looks like. We know Jesus said the call to follow him is to give our everything, and we don't, we don't experience life as he's designed it if we hold on to stuff. So in some ways, it's the only way to live, is to give it all to him. And, um, and I think as we've been tracking over the last few weeks, we see this is the life of faith, isn't it? Is it it's not necessarily clear exactly what the, what the path is or what the way is to get the breakthroughs, but it's about trusting in God and walking it with him. Um, so, yeah, I just want to say that for myself. Um, we, what we do as a Bond family during this time... <clears throat> Because we can't do, because we do the live stream, we can't be together to do church in our home. So we do an evening around our fire in the garden or in the, in the living room and we'll, and we'll be chewing on this stuff together then. And I'll, and I'll be able to, we'll, 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 if everyone wants to, we'll pray that same prayer. But I want to pray it now, you know, on behalf of myself, just saying, yeah, Father, as for me, and I hate my household too, we, we will serve the Lord. We'll follow you, whatever that looks like, and put our lives into your hands. Thank you. Amen. Great, good to be with you. Uh, thanks so much, Rosh. And um, and you may know that we've got uh, at quarter to twelve, we're going to have a church business meeting. So we have those a few times a year. Uh, our three things that we're looking at are um, changes to some, some staff changes with um, Rebecca going on maternity leave um, at the end of this week, um, and some changes to Alice's role, and and then, and then also. Uh, we want to follow up on our racial justice, and particularly on, on the sort of financial front, what we do as a church as we continue to pursue racial justice. And then thirdly, we want to continue our conversation about uh, sort of reflecting on church during lockdown. So those are our three things. Um, we're, we're a church where, where everyone is, is a member and part of the church, and it is really part of these, these considerations. But anyone's welcome to join us. So um, the Zoom link should be available. Maybe if someone can post the Zoom links in the comments here, that would be a helpful reminder as well. Great. Good to be with you all. See you soon in a bit.